0: Earlier this year, the CEO of a major life insurance company said death rates among working-age Americans had gone up 40% from pre-pandemic levels.
1: A recent report by the Society of Actuaries now reinforces this alarming data.
2: The age cohort, which we call the millennials, experienced an 84% rise of excess mortality into the fall 2021. 84% rise represented about 61,000 Americans who perished from March of 21 to February of 2022.
1: To understand what's going on, I sit down with Edward Dowd, a former Wall Street analyst and BlackRock
0: portfolio manager who has been analyzing data from the CDC, life insurance companies, and funeral homes.
2: We also are seeing disability tick up tremendously. We've seen an additional 3 to 4 million Americans declare they're disabled. Uh, My journey began really in February, March of 2021 when uh, the vaccine program was rolled out. Uh, My journey began really in February, March of 2021 when uh, the vaccine program was rolled out. I started hearing anecdotal stories about deaths, injuries. They were anecdotes. And being a a former stock picker, portfolio manager for BlackRock and having been on the sell side, that piqued my interest. And I'm I'm into pattern recognition. And then uh, the mandates came along in the summer-fall uh, summer, of uh, 2021, and I started to join um, anti-mandate rallies on Maui, and through that I was eventually uh, able to meet Dr. Malone and become affiliated with him. I told him that I suspected that something possibly was going on with the vaccines so I told him that I would investigate insurance company results, uh, funeral home results, and that I would monitor them and we'll see if anything uh, you know, interesting or strange would happen. And sure enough, uh, in January of 2022, we got the first inkling that something was very wrong, potentially. Um, and that was One America uh, CEO Scott Davison, was on a Chamber of Commerce call, and he wasn't aware that there was a reporter, um, Margaret Menge, from uh, City View in Indiana, following this Chamber of Commerce. And he mentioned that in the second half of 2021, all-cause mortality among especially working-age members had rose to a stunning 40%. And just to put some frame around that, um, a 10% increase in excess mortality for this working age group would be a once in a 200-year flood. Uh, 40% was just off the charts. And to understand why this is so significant is it was the group life business and group life is a specific business. It's not individual policyholders. It's people that work for corporations. And I remember, and I'm sure many of you who have been employed in different corporations, when you're on board with the corporation, you sign your health care, and then you sign a death benefit that's given to you basically for free. Uh, and it's anywhere from 50000 to $200,000 policy. And, you know, if you're not married, you... Um, assign the beneficiary as your parents or if you're married with your spouse so when, when we all on board and do these things we never expect to collect well in the second half of uh uh 2021 scott davidson sent off the warning signal and he his company which is a hundred billion dollar insurance company experienced just this incredible rise in in deaths and claims um Fast forward to February, um, when the insurance companies start reporting, um, I started to see similar results from other companies. And Dr. Malone got me on uh, Steve Bannon, uh, Bannon's War Room, where I started to talk about this. And I said that I wanted to be a lightning rod for this issue, which meant I wanted people that had knowledge or anything to contribute to help. And one person immediately contacted me that weekend. Uh, he's coming public now and he's, he's uh, gonna come public on his own time frame. but his name's Josh Sterling. He's a former number one ranked insurance analyst on Wall Street, worked for Bernstein, which is a very well-known research equity shop. Uh, he was on the street for seven years and uh, he agreed to help me analyze the insurance results. So this is really fascinating, and I just want to clarify for the benefit of our viewers what 40% actually means, right? So 40% is like a war. Uh, it's, in, it's not something that happens in the normal course of business. And in uh, 2020, when COVID was uh, raging through the country, we saw that mostly older Americans died, mostly old. In 2021, um, COVID was still going on, the vaccine rollout had occurred, but we saw a mix shift from old to young working age people that in 2020 weren't affected by COVID to, to the same degree they were in the second half of 2021. And so this is, a, this is a, just an amazing statistical anomaly that just does not happen in the normal course of business and just life just in terms in practical terms, you know, there's this
1: sort of baseline rate of death, right? And this is like, you know, a 40% increase from that. That's why you're calling it a war.
2: Uh, To fast forward a little bit, Josh uh, started to look at CDC data. And the CDC data as presented on their website was lumped all ages. And so what he was able to do was take the data download it, and they did provide ages of the of the deaths so he was able to um create age cohorts and because he has actuarial training he created a baseline from 2015 through 2019 that's how you calculate excess deaths so you have to have a baseline from which to compare it against and what he found and what i found with analyzing the data with them was something very alarming. Uh, The age cohort uh, from 25 to 44, which we call the millennials, uh, experienced an 84% uh, rise of excess mortality into the fall of 2021, August, September, October. And the rate of change was just dramatic. So they were running around 40, 50% in the summer. And then this parabolic spike move up into the fall, Um, and it then tailed off and and settled back down. But, you know, 84% rise in excess mortality for that age cohort represented about 61,000 Americans who perished from March of 21 to February of 2022, and 61,000 deaths is the the same as uh, the Vietnam War casualties we, we experienced over 10 years where 58,000 Americans died. So something happened. I mean, my opinion is that it's the vaccines. That can be debated. We can talk. I'd love to debate anybody. The problem is there doesn't seem to be any interest in debating that issue, nor am I allowed to talk about it on certain platforms. That's all we're asking for is the ability to at least bring this, this, this tragedy uh, to light and then discuss why it's occurring.
1: As yield yields back his time, gentlemen from uh, Kentucky Reserves, gentlemen from Missouri is recognized. Mr. Speaker, I yield one minute to the gentle lady from Colorado. Gentlewoman from Colorado is recognized for one minute.
3: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Insanity is doing the same thing repeatedly and expecting a different result. That makes the supporters of this legislation, by definition, insane. Reckless spending in this town is what causes inflation. And we cannot continue to increase taxes on the American people and put a target on American energy production while spending a historic $370 billion on Green New Deal initiatives and expect to lower inflation and improve our economy. Remember that so called bipartisan infrastructure bill? Yeah, we spent $200 billion on Green New Deal initiatives. I guess that was just a down payment on this never-ending theft of American tax dollars. We are sacrificing — you are sacrificing American families at the altar of climate change. Mr. Speaker, isn't it so? Joe Biden himself said inflation rate is at zero percent. So what the heck are we doing here? Why are we passing this so-called Inflation Reduction Act if it's at zero percent? Well, in fact, it's the Inflation and Act — Mr.
1: time has expired.
3: And it does the exact opposite of what Americans need right now. This is just another con game by the Democrats calling something one thing General and saying time another. This is making the IRS which
1: armed agents has larger the Pentagon. The gentleman is no died. longer recognized. The gentleman from Missouri reserves the belt. Be- Mr. Speaker. On American- How, American How, much no How much time
0: do
4: you
1: need? The gentleman is no longer recognized. Your time has expired. The gentleman from Missouri reserves.
4: I will yield an additional 30 seconds to the gentlelady from Colorado to finish her comments. The
1: gentleman is recognized for an additional 30 seconds.
4: This
3: bill hires 87,000 new IRS agents and they are armed and the job description tells them that they need to be required to carry a firearm and expect to use deadly force if necessary. Excessive taxation is theft and the chairman said that we are using the power of the federal government in this bill. You're darn right you're you're using the power of the federal government for armed robbery on the taxpayers. I can only see why that this was rushed through committee and put on the floor.
1: Gentlewoman's time is expired. Gentlewoman's time is expired. She is no longer recognized. The gentleman from Missouri reserves, the gentleman from Kentucky is recognized.
0: Thanks to the Democrats, we are going to get 87,000, 87,000 new IRS agents. And uh, what this means is, well, hundreds of thousands of additional IRS audits. Now, the Democrats would like us to believe, Biden would like us to believe, that these IRS agents are really focused on uh, rich people, uh, people who are multi-millionaires or billionaires, and um, but uh, there aren't enough of those people to warrant 87,000 new agents. You could probably have 5,000 new agents and make sure that uh, every rich person in the country uh, had uh, oversight in terms of their tax returns. The 87,000 agents, um, the Democrats really went Overboard here, and in a way, they're sending a message. And you know, we have to be attentive to these messages because if we're too dumb to realize what they're doing, what they're basically saying is that the IRS is the collection agency uh, for the socialist or quasi-socialist state. The IRS is the the enforcer. Uh, the well, I'm going to argue the shakedown artist, the um, the ransom collector. And uh, now, admittedly. Um, i'm going to get some pushback from people go wait wait a minute how was an audit really a shakedown aren't you aren't these guys merely making sure that you follow the law again as with the criminal justice system in practice it doesn't really work that way in practice audits are not uh sort of fair assessments of what you owe and part of this and the same applies by the way with the criminal law is the unbelievable complexity of the tax code and what that means is that there's enormous amounts of discretion to hound people, harass them, uh, subject them to all kinds of delays and expenses and then make them pay just to make the process come to an end. There's also of course the political machinations that go into this. I don't know if you've ever seen, if you, if not, it's worth looking it up. uh, Just kind of search it on the internet. Catherine Engelbrecht's testimony in 2014 of the way in which she was harassed by the IRS, primarily by the IRS, but also by a whole alphabet soup of other government agencies. And what they do is they, they sort of demand to know everything. Oh, you've got this income into your nonprofit group. Okay. Well, give us a list of the, uh, of your donors. Um, Do you do speaking events? Give us a list of all your speaking events, where you went um, and what were the travel costs and how many people attended each event and and um and who are the names of all the organizers? So this is, think about this, what does this really have to do with anything? This is the IRS essentially engaging in a kind of hazing uh, to break down your resistance so you kind of succumb to them. And what they're trying to do in this case is, in Catherine's case, is scare her away from the issue of voter integrity. That was their, in a sense, I would say assigned task by the Obama administration. Um, I've um, only been subject to, I've only been audited once, um, Debbie and I, for our 2016, this is actually the year we got married. And um, it was a ridiculous process, because essentially what they did is they got copies of all our bank accounts, they found every deposit. Um, including transfers from one account to another, and they they treat it as income. And then they put the burden on you to sort of c- collect all the resources and all the documentation to explain why it's not income. You have to show this. And then they go, we calculate that you owe us X dollars. And so I talked to my accountant and he's like, listen, um, if you are able to and you pay this amount the whole thing just ends because this is really a shakedown operation. Their job is to try to extract money out of you. And um, so that's the game. Now, you can play the game, but it's a little bit of a losing game because they can always extend the process. Let's remember, they have almost infinite resources. Uh, by and large, if you take the matter to tax court, you've got judges who themselves have come up through the IRS system, if you will. They're They're captive to the uh, to the uh, mechanism of collecting money for the state. And so, by and large, they tend to defer to uh, the IRS. So it is it is a process that is not uh, transparent or fair, in my opinion. And here's an article. This is actually um, a fellow named Steve Martini. And he's describing his audit from just a couple of years ago. He says, basically, he had a best-selling book. He went out and bought a boat And it was the boat that was, he says, the red flag to the IRS. So they start harassing him. He says, I didn't take the boat as a business expense, but the boat to the IRS symbolized luxury. And so they began to badger him about his income um and when and when he provides his income, they go, well, let's look at the, the the previous year. Let's look at the year before that. So when they don't get you on something, they, they kind of continue the search. You can see how this is happening in other areas with Trump. We can't get him on Russia collusion, let's get him on something else. And um and uh similarly this Martini fellow talks to his attorney and he goes, Listen, do I do I fight them? This is so crazy. And I'm not quoting the attorney. The attorney goes, no, absolutely not, don't fight them. Basically goes, if you hire a lawyer, the IRS will now start looking for reasons to go after you criminally for tax fraud. Even if there's no evidence, they will they will chase you for two years, then they might drop the matter, but then you're gonna owe $200,000 uh, to the accountant uh, and the attorney. And so in a sense, you have you will have paid your ransom that way. So why not pay the ransom to them Let the matter go away and then try to avoid their scrutiny in the future. This is the, this is how audits actually take place. And so the, uh, this kind of new horde of IRS agents is not good news. It's not about Americans paying their fair share or even their lawful share of taxes. It's about an aggressive agency with not just, not just prosecutorial power, but militarized forces that they now have at their disposal basically shaking you down for whatever they can get out of you. I want to talk about public trust in the uh, FBI. And on this score, there is uh, a small piece of bad news and then also a piece of encouraging news. So the bad news is the the uh, result of the trial in Michigan. I'm talking about the trial of um, Adam Fox, and Barry Croft. Let's remember that two of the other defendants, Brandon Caserta and Daniel Harris, were acquitted on the charge of um, uh, kidnapping Governor Whitmer. And the reason they were acquitted is the jury saw right away that this was a FBI setup. The FBI moved this plot along. The FBI made it happen. It would not have happened without the FBI. Unfortunately, in the retrial of the two guys who got a hung jury, what the government did was they, uh, first of all, they had a kind of a multicultural jury. So they, they tried to make sure that they had the kind of jury where they were more, they'd get a more sympathetic hearing the government would. And second of all, they got a judge who seemed to be determined to uh, prejudice the jury in favor of a conviction. In fact, instructed the jury that it doesn't really matter if the FBI sort of set this up or even moved the plot along. as As long as there is a willingness on the part of these guys to do it, as long as they talked about doing it, and as long as they expected to do it, and as long as they were in on it, that's enough to secure a conviction. Now, again... You know, you're hoping that there's one member of the jury who goes, no, I'm not going for this. This is this is basically nonsense. Uh, we have the government here orchestrating the crimes that they then turn around and bust. But unfortunately, there wasn't such a person on the jury. And so these two guys got convicted. Uh, they're going to get very severe sentences uh, for something that the FBI, in effect, uh, made happen. But uh, I see from Rasmussen, and uh, the Rasmussen survey here is supported by other surveys, that all the rhetoric we hear from Merrick Garland about the FBI is above politics, the FBI is without fear or favor, the FBI is no one is above the law, we're very even-handed, the American people are not buying it. And not only are the American people not buying it, uh, independents and Democrats are not buying it either. Do you agree or disagree with this statement? There is a group of politicized thugs at the top of the FBI who are using the FBI as Joe Biden's personal Gestapo. I mean, this is, this is framing the question in the most extreme way. Not just, do you think that the FBI is somewhat prejudiced? No. Do you think that the FBI is like the KGB? Do you think they're like the Nazis? (laughs) Here's the uh, agree. GOP, not all that surprising. 64% agree. So um, a a substantial majority. Let's remember, though, you know, honey, I think the GOP, I'm actually surprised at 64 because because for decades, you know, we're the party of law and order. And so by and large, we're deferential to the FBI. So getting this number over 50, I think, is an accomplishment. Anyway, independents 47%, 47%, a near majority agree, and Democrats 30%. This to me is really telling, almost one in three Democrats agree that the FBI is now a thug operation. So uh, now, the FBI doesn't help itself because instead of trying to come back to the middle, recognize that it needs agents who have different types of political views, it needs to stop this kind of combat operation against conservatives, against Republicans, um, the I think the reason independents and Democrats even have decent numbers here is not just because they're observing the situation, but they also realize when you have a rogue agency, everybody's vulnerable. Once you have rogue cops that are essentially with badges, thugs with badges, I've called them before and I repeat it now, then they can go after you on other reasons as well. They can frame you for crimes that you haven't committed. Uh, they can arrest you without cause. Uh, and they're relying uh, really on what is now more obvious, a fairly corrupted uh, judicial system. I, won't, I don't know if it's corrupted everywhere, but it's corrupted in key places, including the nation's capital. If you look at the FBI manual, which talks about how you recognize violent extremists uh, and um, militia enemies of the state... They give you several indications of how you can find these guys. First, they're likely to be talking about the Second Amendment. Think about that. If you talk about the Second Amendment, that's a sign that you might be a violent militiaman. Number two, they could be sporting the Gadsden flag, which is an historical flag representing really limited um, um, government and gun rights. They use Revolutionary War imagery. By the way, I've used Revolutionary War imagery in at least uh, two, if not more, of my films. Use Revolutionary War imagery. You're obviously a potential enemy of the state. Uh, They display the Liberty Tree, which, by the way, was a famous elm tree in Boston. In 1765, American colonists staged their first act of defiance against the British at that tree. So these symbols of American, the American Revolution... Or the Betsy Ross flag, which again is Revolutionary War imagery going back to the 13 colonies <clears throat> and the original calls for revolution. And so the symbols of the very creation of America are now being used by the FBI to identify people who, in their view, are anti-American, un-American, enemies of the state. Of course, the real enemy of the state today is the FBI itself. Joe Biden appears to be, at least in his rhetoric, going full dictator on us, complete with the optics of dictatorship and all. Uh, Let's start with the the image, which I'm sure you've seen. This is Biden kind of holding both his arms up, you know, very much fascist style. You have all kinds of imagery of Mussolini doing this. You have Adolf Hitler. One of Hitler's standard postures was not the two-handed, but the one-handed fist where he'd be kind of putting his fist up here and and so Biden had a almost a blood red background and he had soldiers two marines standing on either side uh in a kind of creepy uh, nocturnal um uh, imagery that was downright chilling, downright scary. And even people who aren't all that political, like the barstool guy, he's like, hey, I'm watching sports, I'm flipping the channels, and I see Biden. And he goes, I'm not even going to talk about the content of his speech, I'm just talking about, he goes, the guy looks like Hitler. And then, of course, liberals were like, wait a minute, you know, George Bush posed with uh, the military behind him. It's a completely different. If you look at the two pictures, George Bush is standing there, and he's got, he's got um uh, he's got marines behind him. It's a daytime address, and the point is not that having the U.S. military makes you a dictator. Of course not. It is, but it is the imagery of um, the fascist imagery of the blood red, the fists, uh, and the military used in such a way that it's a, it's essentially a warning to you, warning to the citizens. Look what look at the force I've got behind me. Now this is again, this is not mere imagery because Biden, of course had blasted, has blasted, uh, Americans who support gun rights by basically saying, hey, listen, what's the point of having gun rights? He goes, if you really want to take on the government, you want to fight government tyranny, he goes, you need an F-15. The gu- your gun is not going to do it. And uh, and this has been a standard line of Biden. But uh, And of course, what makes all of this so bitterly ironic is that Biden is the one who left F-15s for the Taliban in Afghanistan. There are some commentators who, um, who pointed that out. What I found even more alarming was basically uh, the idea of a president in a democracy threatening his own citizens by saying, in effect, we got the F-15s, we got the fighter planes, we got the nuclear weapons, and you don't. So, in other words, we are able to overpower you if we want to. And uh, for this reason, you need to grovel and cower before Big Brother, before, you may say, the Biden-run regime. Uh, Biden has been implying as if en- that anyone who disagrees with him, anyone who didn't vote for him, at one point his uh, spokesman even said, listen, if you're not in the majority, you're an extremist. And um, and they're trying to make anyone who supports Trump, anyone who's part of the MAGA movement, anyone who's part of the, well, really the mainstream of the Republican Party. So it'd be one thing if the people who supported Trump were 1% of the Republicans, and then Biden could say, well, listen, I'm not against an honest Republican opposition. I'm not against the mainstream of the Republican Party. I'm just against a few of these extremists. But no, uh, Biden is is trying to classify the mainstream of the Republican Party as beyond the pale. Apparently, the only Republicans he likes are people like Liz Cheney, who are ultimately doing the bidding of the Biden regime itself. So it's a one-party state. That's the underlying philosophy that Biden is is, is pushing. One of the uh, themes that Biden, but also other leftists have taken up, is this idea that sort of it is a, it is a mark of fascism uh, to be an election denier. Now, first of all, uh, putting aside the kind of comicality of the term election denier, uh, remember the Democrats questioned the 2016 election, they questioned the 2004 election, they questioned the 2000 election, were they election deniers? No, they were arguing about whether or not the votes were being legitimately counted. They raised issues of fraud, ultimately those issues were dealt with. So questioning an, in an election doesn't make you an election denier. You're not against elections. You don't deny elections. You're trying to make sure that elections are Carried out properly. But here's the point what does this have to do with fascism? As far as I know, there is no fascist movement that can be identified as questioning the results of an election. First of all, if you take Nazi Germany, for starters, the Nazis were the largest political party in Germany at the time that Hitler was made the chancellor. They didn't have to question elections. They actually won the election. They were the largest party. Uh, Similarly, Mussolini uh, was constitutionally assigned his position by the king. Uh, so Mussolini had led this kind of march on Rome uh, and this led to a um, a recognition that the fascists had become very powerful inside and outside the government Mussolini was offered a position again this was done by legitimate constitutional authority admittedly by the strange system that they have in Italy so the point being that that denying elections is not a fascist move but manipulating and stealing elections overriding the will of the people uh, trampling on their rights yeah these are actually fall marks of fascism, and those are coming really from the Biden regime itself. What what to me is even scarier than Biden is all the little Nazis who are cheering him on. I literally think, and this is, may seem a little bit harsh, but I don't think it is, that if Biden proposed a kind of final solution, Biden says, listen, you know what? These These Trump people have got to go. Uh, Let's try to uh, segregate them. Let's try to incarcerate them. And quite frankly, if we need to, we might have to get rid of them altogether. You'd have a lot of people going, yeah, I think that's necessary. But that's necessary to save democracy. So think about this. They're trying to save democracy from the voters.
4: The Civil War is here, a quote from MSNBC's Tiffany Cross. The full context is she said some people would say that a civil war is coming. I would say that a civil war is here. In response to Joe Biden's speech last night, Democrat media activists are saying that this was a pre-war speech akin to what was said before the first civil war and before World War Two. As Joe Biden came out and denounced all of Trump supporters as a threat to this country, as the White House has done so several times, people on Twitter on the left are gleefully cheering for what is possibly one of the darkest, most dangerous and divisive spe- speeches that we've ever heard come from a president. Now, polling has been coming out for a long time, showing that many in America believe that a civil war is coming. But many are actually suggesting and on the right that last night was Joe Biden's declaration of civil war. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. There's a video posted by a journalist from I think he's from Huffington Post showing police in the Capitol on January 6th yelling that they're not going to lose the Capitol today. And then people are banging on the door and there's violence. I think in 50 years when they're writing about the second civil war, or whatever it is you want to call this, they're going to say that it, it, that it actually started in 2020 or maybe even 2016. They're going to say maybe, you know, Donald Trump's election was the precursor and 2020 was the start. They may even say January 6th. I mean, if you look at it from a historical perspective, if I were to tell you there's a civil war and then one of the early events in that civil war was a group of people trying to storm into the Capitol and stop the electoral vote count, you'd say, Yeah, that sounds like that's when it started, right? Now, whatever your opinion is on January 6th, I'm not saying it's definitive. What I am saying is history is written by the winners. And in the future, they're going to write about this moment in whatever way the winners decide it should be written as. If Trump supporters end up winning the culture war and the civil war, they'll write that they were patriots. They'll write that they were unjustly prosecuted and perhaps a riot. And if the left wins, they'll write that Donald Trump staged a coup and an insurrection. It doesn't matter what your political ideology is. Set that one aside. What matters is that both sides now are recognizing there is no path forward. There isn't one. I've long believed that building culture would be the way to reunite this country. But you see, what's happening is the left is losing the culture war. They are. It's my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think so. They claim that when their shows suck, it's a review bomb. They claim that the right is just a fringe faction, but Donald Trump is overperforming in the polls. And there's 74 million people who voted for him in 2020. No one really supported Joe Biden to such a degree. They just voted against Trump. So Trump supporters are growing. We'll see what happens now that Donald Trump's got a 92% endorsement success rate. I I would believe that Donald Trump and the culture war right is winning. And for that reason, they will become violent and dangerous. And Joe Biden's speech last night is being heralded as a pre-war speech. I mean, they're outright saying it was a declaration of war. They're outright saying that civil war is coming. They're outright saying that this is just like right before the civil war began. The FBI is going after Trump. They're potentially targeting the lawyers of the former president. They've arrested the lawyer for the Oath Keepers. I think it's fair to see that we've not entered the hot conflict phase of a civil war, but law enforcement is using corrupt powers, powers they technically don't have, to target lawyers and people who oppose them. So it doesn't matter your political ideology. What matters is that people are willing to do whatever they want for power. It's begun. I don't know exactly how it will play out or where we will go. But I think it's important to note, whether you agree or disagree, mainstream, high-profile corporate press says the civil war is here. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member if you'd like to support our work as a member. You'll get access to exclusive segments on the TimCast IRL podcast, Uncensored, Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m., as well as our other shows like Cast Castle and Tales from the Inverted World. Also, check out Pop Culture Crisis. But don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. Let's get into the latest updates from Joe Biden's speech from Fox News. MSNBC's Eugene Robinson describes Biden's speech as urgent wartime address as network keeps evoking civil war. They say Washington Post columnist and MSNBC analyst Eugene Robinson described President Biden's polarizing Thursday speech in Philadelphia as an urgent wartime address, continuing MSNBC's recent fascination with a possible civil war. Shut up, Fox News. You pathetic weirdos. MSNBC is not wrong. You're free to hate them for their politics. But this is the stupidest writing ever. Their fascination with civil war. It has been talked about across the board from everyone left to right. And while the left and the right have their people who believe it may not happen. What Fox News is doing here is annoyingly stupid and just playing this MSNBC is so dumb. You're insane. This is the problem. MSNBC said it, so it must be wrong. Shut up. Robinson, during a Friday appearance on MSNBC's Morning Joe, echoed Biden's words when he noted that the United States is currently in a battle to preserve its democracy. He noted He was unsure as to what motive or delusion so-called MAGA Republicans have that compels them to head down their authoritarian path. Oh, their authoritarian path. Yeah, mm -hmm, Okay. Tell me more about how Kamala Harris helped bail out rioters and 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 these riots resulted in murder and death. He framed this as an emergency, as something that we as a nation need to bond together to stop to stop and to reverse. And to return to our democratic principles and our democratic practices. And to me, it was an urgent wartime address. The post columnist has made a number of eyebrow raising remarks in recent memory. A July 4th column following the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Robinson compared abortion seekers to slaves attempting to flee for free states. Yes. And while I don't completely agree with the political the politics behind this, the political ideology, I think he's still Right. We are on opposing ends of the spectrum. We interviewed Stephen Marsh. He is more establishment left. He's Canadian, but he wrote a book called The Next Civil War. We agree that's where we're going. He's wrong about his facts. I mean, it's just, you know, seriously. He puts out a video where, I mean, look, Stephen Marsh is right about a lot of what he's seeing, but he's heavily biased in favor of the authoritarianism and the establishment. And the way he described it was actually pretty apt. He said, It is a multicultural democracy and a constitutional republic in the same space, and they both can't survive. Fair point. I believe in a constitutional republic. He believes in a multicultural democracy. Well, he's Canadian, so. It feels like civil war is here, Cross said. Yeah, well, she said, I would say a civil war is here. That's that's a bit more definitive. Fox is trash. The host made a similar claim last month when she guest hosted for MSNBC's The Readout. People keep saying a civil war is coming. I would say a civil war is here, she said. We have another article. MSNBC historian compares Biden's speech to Lincoln FDR before civil war and World War II. They are effectively saying what Joe Biden did was declare war. You don't come out and say just like Abraham Lincoln in 1860. That was a pre-war declaration. Well, I think Abraham Lincoln was campaigning in 1860. He became president in 1861. MSNBC historian Michael Beschloss explained Thursday that President Biden's speech in Philadelphia was inspired by presidential speeches before two of America's biggest wars. 1860, this country was in big jeopardy. It was splitting apart, a house divided, slavery or non slavery. And Lincoln cast the election of 1860 by saying the House can't stand, half slave free, we've got to choose. He then moved on to talk about President Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1940 when Franklin Roosevelt was running for a third term. Just as you mentioned, Roosevelt didn't say the paramount issue this year is the minimum wage, although that was pretty important. Or whether Texans get an oil depletion allowance or something like that, like this. He said, look, these are all important. But what really at, what, what is really at stake at this moment is whether our children are going to get to live in an American democracy, especially with Hitler and the fascists looming in Europe and marching. Yeah. And um, both of those speeches were precursors to major war. Beschloss then claimed that he and fellow historians explained to Biden in the meeting. This is like 1860. This is like 1940. You have to talk about the large issue in the room. And just as Lincoln gave the House divided speech, just as Roosevelt gave a speech on the State of the Union about the four freedoms, as you well know, 1941. Here is the time when President Biden has chosen. He said he did not help Biden write the speech himself, but credited his team for convincing Biden that this is a hist- an historic moment. What you heard, I think, comes of that. Here's a clip from Karine Jean-Pierre, Robbie Starbuck tweets. Let me uh, actually, you know what? I want to make sure I can give you the full context. I'm going to play some of this audio for you.
3: Station. There actually, is no I don't let's deal think the rhetoric. Playing. At this point, I do think we have to have serious okay, this- conversations around preparing for actual violence. Uh people keep saying a civil war is coming. I would say a civil war is here. And I don't mean to be hyperbolic. We can look at what has happened just in the past week alone, since all this has happened. We've had two people try to declare war with FBI field offices.
4: I think it's a fair point. Doesn't matter your politics. But let's play this clip from uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre.
3: And again, we see majority of Americans who disagree. And so when you are not with where majority of Americans are, then, you know, that is extreme. That is an extreme way of
4: thinking. No, it isn't. That's not what extreme means. Forty nine percent is not extreme. It's actually average. This is one of the worst press secretaries I've ever seen. and She's awful. But I'd like to point out that more people hate Joe Biden. I should say disapprove of Joe Biden than approve of him. So to make that claim is patently absurd. You are thereby calling yourselves extreme. Insane. Robbie says democracy is two wolves and a sheep voting on what they should eat for lunch. We aren't a democracy. Well, here's more sentiment. Joe Biden said Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans are a threat to the very soul of this country. No, that's you. You decrepit, spineless old pervert. You know, I've got my issue with the diehard MAGA MAGA Trump supporters. They're worthy of criticism, same as anybody else. But you are a despotic nightmare of a man. You are both simultaneously authoritarian and deluded, incapable. But what you represent is the corporate establishment, the uniparty corruption. And it's funny to see Vosh suckling the teat of the establishment, because I'll say this to you, Vosh. You are you are not old enough to understand. And you said it to me when you came on the show. You didn't know anything about Joe Biden. Well, when Obama killed the first child, and first American citizen, those of us who lived through it, said, hey, maybe these are bad people. Now, Donald Trump's bad in a lot of ways, too. Certainly think so. But I will take what you think is the crumbling of the, the establishment over the establishment. I remember the lies of the Obama administration and the extrajudicial assassinations of American citizens. And I see Vosh cheering for it. And when I asked him about it, he says, I was too young. I don't know. I don't know. And therein lies the problem. Well, I can't necessarily blame him. As as familiar, he's, a, he's a prominent leftist uh, commentator. I can't necessarily blame him for being too young to remember. But it's fascinating. This is how this country operates. Young people with no experience come in and then vote based on the whims of social movements. As for me, I said yes to Obama in 2008 and no to him in 2012 because he's a psychotic murderer who killed American citizens without charge or trial, namely Anwar al and Abdurrahman al-Awlaki. Now, you can say everything you want about Anwar al who was a jihadist who hated America. He was still an American citizen, and American citizens must be charged and face trial. Instead, he blew him up. But let's talk about Abdul Rahman, a 16 year old American citizen who was at a civilian cafe in Yemen and they blew him up. I believe his statement to terrorists, we will kill your children. Psychotic, fascistic despotism from a scumbag like Barack Obama and his corrupt VP Joe Biden. And so it's fascinating to watch people who aren't smart enough to go back and watch and read about this. Cheer it on. Okay, dude, I'm just I'm sorry, man. I can respect any disagreement on policy positions. I think, you know, Vosch is a a well-read individual when perhaps it comes to that. But to come out and cheer for this, what did Donald Trump do? End the wars? No new wars? Man, Lawrence Tribe tweets. This moment is akin to 1860 or 1940. The two points in our past when we faced existential threats from anti-democratic forces of domination and subordination. As though as at those times, those who believe we shall overcome will prevail if we keep the faith and work our hearts out. These people are just so deeply insane and evil. Hey, F. Joe Biden is trending. How about that? A second civil war in the US, 43% of Americans think it's likely in the next 10 years. I don't care for this poll because I've already seen like 50 of them all saying the exact same thing to varying degrees that a civil war is coming. And you know what? If it happens and they write about it, you know what I tell people? We can't see the forest for the trees. You're in the forest. You don't realize you are. So you look around and you say, I just see a bunch of trees. And someone's trying to tell you the big picture. You're in the forest, brother. And when you come out and say, you're in a civil war, friend, you best start believing in civil war stories. You're in one. They say, no, we're not. That's so absurd. Civil war. What are you talking about? Yeah. When history looks back and takes account of everything that happened, they're gonna be like, yep, civil war. It's fascinating to me that I could say these things. I I love I love how every week it gets worse too. I like the line If I went back in time in 2015 and told you that in seven years' time, seven years time. Donald Trump would be out as president. A thousand plus people will have tried to break into the Capitol with several hundred actually getting in. Not everybody violent, though. The FBI would be going to people's homes and arresting them and putting them in solitary confinement, some for almost two years. That Donald Trump would claim the election was stolen. That people would be marching in the streets, fighting each other. That the FBI would would raid the home of the former president that people would be calling for the indictment and impeachment, that the president would be impeached twice. If I were to tell you that the president of the United States would get up and say half of this country is a threat to our democracy. If I were to tell you that a man with a Black Lives Matter tattoo would care, would have his gun ready in hand, see a Trump supporter and put two in his chest on a Portland street, who would have believed any of it? And I know they wouldn't have. Because I was saying this in 2017 and 18, and people were saying to me it was impossible. The security state won't allow it. Now, half the country thinks it's coming. Poll after poll shows around half the country says civil war is coming. Now everyone seems to think so. Who would have thought Joe Biden would give a speech so psychotic, so deranged and so dangerous? Yeah, well, I don't know what to tell you, man. Eric Weinstein, he says, I just don't see any path back, at least tonight. I was not looking forward to the speech, and it was bad. We seem determined to continue to unravel this amazing country. Going to go listen to some live blues where no one cares about race. Thankfully, there's a two-drink minimum. It's fascinating. I said this very thing four years ago. Maybe I was lucky, you know? You get a bunch of monkeys in a room, and eventually uh, you, you, get, you give a bunch of monkeys typewriters, and eventually one of them will write Shakespeare, Right. A broken clock is right twice a day. Eric Weinstein saying, I don't see a path back. I said this years ago. And I'm not trying to take credit or anything or act like I'm, I'm more perceptive, or whatever It's that I think people aren't paying attention. Shout out to Joe Rogan again. I know I've brought it up a million times. He said, Tim Pool came on the show a few years ago. He said this like a week or two ago and said there was going to be, he thinks we're headed towards a civil war. And I thought, ah, oh, he's crazy. You know, calm, calm down, man. Now I think he might be right. You know, it's funny. When Joe Rogan said that, He had already recorded that episode, and that morning a man tried breaking into an FBI field office in Ohio, thinking that he could breach bulletproof glass. He could not, and then he was killed. Joe said that before even knowing about that story. Joe said that, and then only a few weeks later, we get the Joe Biden story, the Joe Biden speech, where he condemns half the country. Eric Weinstein presents it as such. He says, one overarching reaction, the speech was one-third of a speech. There are three groups threatening the U.S. democracies, threatening U.S. democracy. I don't like that phrase, democracy. It's ridiculous. No one can give the needed speech until they out all three groups. Eric is wrong. He says there's the extractocrats, which is the establishment Democrats and GOP, the armed wing of each faction, which is the Magistan and Wokistan. And then the culture war is the core of Wokistan and Magistan. He's wrong. I mean, it, it's It's close. I don't think Eric pays it, pays enough attention. He's a very smart man, but I don't think he knows enough about what's happening to accurately see the forest or, you know, for the trees. Or, I mean, you don't see the forest for the trees. What I mean to say is MAGA stan is wrong. I am not MAGA. Maybe a little bit. It's nuanced. I think MAGA is better than anything else because they at least believe in free speech, American values. Things that made our families safe and made our lives better, raised, lifted people out of poverty. Wokistan, the woke far left. <clears throat> not every single person on the left is woke. The Democrats, many of them don't like woke, but they still align with it. And Magistan are not armed extremists. It's insane. Yes, there are proud boys. They go out and they fight Antifa, but they're not walking around lining up buildings with guns sometimes, but rarely Wokistan also has Antifa. So I get the point he's trying to make. But Wokistan and Magistan need to just be culture war left, culture war right. And of course, they're more politically active than the extractocrats, the Democrats and the GOP. But the right are cowards. I'm sorry. That's the reality. I'm not saying every single person on the right, but that is, for the most part, the reality. I don't know if I have um, the post pulled up. I don't think so. But there was a letter Jesse Kelly published. I think it was Jesse Kelly. Someone said that they're in uh, military academy. And that every day everyone just talks about how evil Trump is and white privilege and all that stuff. And he says, I won't say anything because I'm a coward. That's what he said. The left aren't cowardly, but they are stupid. On average, they're ignorant of what's going on, but they're not cowardly. Taco Bell worker was wearing a Black Lives Matter mask. And uh, they told him, Take it off or you'll be fired. And he said, no, I won't take it off. And they said, then you'll be fired. And he says, then fire me. So they did. He made a video. He got his job back. Taco Bell said, we're so sorry. You can wear your mask. Trump supporters, what do they do? I I better not say anything because then I'll lose my job. Not all of them, obviously. But too many of them. Too many of the ones that have influence and power that have talked to me about how they agree. And there's the meme. They whisper, I completely agree with you as they set the fire to torch the woman. That's the meme. In the FBI, split factions, but too many agents won't speak up because they're scared. Look, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean, but it's true. Now, I know a lot of you listening aren't that. I'm not talking to you, but I think y'all recognize that there are a lot of people who just won't speak up. Some people say it's just too hard. You know, I'll lose my job. Okay, that's true. I feel for you, man. I, I mean it sincerely. I don't I don't. It's scary, right? OK. You will lose your job if you speak up, probably. If you don't speak up, you'll lose your family. You'll lose your job, too. Do you think that when these psychopaths win, you're safe? No, you'll lose your job. These people seem to think that you've got this row of houses with death going to each door and knocking and then ejecting people. But if you keep your head down, he'll pass right over your house. Well, I put a rainbow flag above my door so that judgment would pass over me. Not going to happen. People try it. You see these photos out of Germany. All the windows are smashed up. Save one. It's got an Antifa sign in the window. Go to Berkeley. The businesses all have leftist ideology in the windows. And I was at a bar and I asked the bartender because they had an anti-Trump thing. And I was like, you guys really hate Donald Trump, huh? And the lady was like, no, I don't know. And then I was like, then why do you have a sign calling him a pig? And they were like, so they don't smash our windows. And I went, wow. Lady told me how her friend of hers, I think she got physically attacked and seriously injured by a mob of psychopathic Antifa types. Here we are, my friends. The escalation is upon us. Okay, so I do have the Jesse Kelly thing. Let me Let me show you. He says, I thought I should add some perspective to last night. F-15 threats and then that speech, but I still see so much the military would never cope out there. I get emails like this all the time. You do not know what's happening to your military. If Biden told them to go, they'd go. Yes. You know, the right may be winning the culture war, but if the left becomes desperate and, and, and they're already deranged and decides to use violence, I think they, have a, they stand a good chance of winning. It's funny. People on the right are like, but we have all the guns. No, you don't. The National Guard has the guns. They have select fire rifles. You have AR-15s. I mean, you know, your Air 15 ain't bad, Five Five Six, 5 uh but you don't have the capabilities of the military. And then people think we're not going to fight with the military. What do you think is going to happen when Joe Biden arrests Donald Trump and then targets you? Do you think they won't come after you? You know, when I was younger, I didn't believe this. I remember, you know, I, I, I would hear stuff from like Alex Jones. I'd see stuff online and they'd say, the military will come for you. And I'd be like, no, they won't. That's so dumb. Like a guy in the military is going to be like, they're all just attack an American citizen. I was like, get out of here. I was like, I don't believe it. I like the military. And then I actually met people in the military and they told me, oh yeah. I said, if, if, if you were ordered to, you know, fire on a group of American citizens, would you do it? And they went, yeah. And I was like, without question, they're like, yeah, why? Yeah, I don't, and that's what they said to me. I don't know why I'm being told to do it. I trust my chain of command. If there's a threat and they say stop them now, we do it. Yes, but I mean, think about it reasonably. I'm not trying to condemn the armed forces in its entirety, even though they are going woke. If you are in a a combat unit and you see someone coming towards you, and then you've got a commanding officer says take them out, move now. Are you going to be like why, commanding officer? I don't know, maybe this guy's all right, and then a, 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 kaboom, shoots at you, blows up, whatever happens. No, you have training, you follow your orders when you're in combat situations. I just watched a video of cops opening, opening a guy's door, he sits up in his bed and they shoot him right away. And they said, we were scared. And you think that if they mobilize the National Guard, they wouldn't shoot you? Come on, dude. Here's the letter. Dr. Jesse, best doctor behind Fauci and Biden. I was a junior leader in the I am a junior leader in the military. I'm currently in an academic academic setting. I go to class and every day we talk about how white people suck, how America is evil and how Trump needs to go to prison. It isn't the instructors, not the curriculum. That stuff is stuck in about 2010 or 1985, depending on the slideshow. I believe the instructors are right wingers. It's the students. The students talk about this. There's only one open conservative and he gets mercilessly mocked by the lefties. He goes on to say, I worry about our future. I worry about my future, my family's future. Every day I wonder whether or not I should get out and work a normal job. I'm afraid either way. And a coward. Not really looking for advice. Stay safe out there, Miles. Miles, you are a coward. I'm sorry. I don't say that to be mean. I don't say that as an insult. I say that to acknowledge you are correct. You are staring as evil grows. And all that is required for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And as you do nothing, I hope you accept that that I hope in the future these people look back and say, I was a coward. Man, even uh, Timothy Chalamet, I don't know who he is, but he says, societal collapse is in the air due to social media. Agreed. Mark Ruffalo in an interview said, with the time we're living in and heading towards, the future feels more precarious than any other other time. So I don't know. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I hope I'm still around to do it. That is, play the Hulk. Even these actors don't know if it's going to happen. Joe Biden is effectively declaring war. I just think all of you need to go out and vote. I, I know. I really do mean it. I think violence is wrong. Violence is bad. And the best example is this. On 529, 2020, the left insurrected at the White House. And the police came out and crushed the riot. So who was the bad guy? The police. The media came out and condemned the police. On January 6th, the police stood around not all of them. A lot of them were fighting, but a lot of them were standing around. Some even opened the doors. And then the Trump supporters were the ones who got in. So who are the bad guys? The Trump supporters. Violence makes you the bad guy in our current state of fifth generational warfare. They can justify anything and they can take action against you. Right now, the fear is that Biden's speech is meant to goad right-wingers into acts of violence, or at least, should it be a false flag or otherwise, make people believe Uh, Trump supporters actually are going to go out and engage in extreme violence because they're the true threat. Yeah. Well, Biden already tried walking it back a little bit. I don't consider any Trump supporter a threat to the country. No, just MAGA Republicans. Yeah. Nice attempt at walking things back. We have this tweet here. Sean Agnew says the internals on last night must be brutal. Yeah, I think so. I think the photo showing Joe Biden screaming, fists raised with a red background and a military behind him freaked them out and they went, we went went too far on that one. I think you might see a bunch of independents being like, oh, please, no, stop this. The Democrats hurt themselves, seriously hurt themselves. Feeding into the delusions and the Trump derangement syndrome for what? Michael Knoll says the purpose of Putin's speech on 221 was to justify his invasion of Ukraine which began three days later. The purpose of Biden's speech last night was to justify the arrest of his predecessor and top rival, which after the Mar-a-Lago raid could happen any day and seems more likely than not. I certainly agree. The National Review says why yesterday's DOJ filing suggests a Trump indictment is coming. Well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Darren Beatty says from Biden's speech, it's obvious that they will indict Trump. A big goal of theirs is to incite violence in Trump's name. Don't take the bait. I responded. I responded. The plan was to prop up MAGA Republicans in the primary so they could demonize them and win the general. They spent a lot of money pushing the ideas of what they called MAGA Republicans, hoping that Trump supported and Trump endorsed candidates would win. Surprise, surprise, Trump endorsements are through the roof. 92% success rate. Now they need to make sure MAGA is evil. So here's what I predict. A couple things could happen. One, they'll indict Trump because a lot of people today believe the nonsense of if Trump didn't do anything wrong, he wouldn't have been arrested. Sure, you're innocent until proven guilty, but this will work on people. The next: whether it's a deranged Trump supporter or a false flag, what you want to call it, I think it's very likely that we will see a Trump, a Trump supporter, right- winger engage in some kind of serious violence. And then, right before the midterms, they will say, "You see what they're doing. We need to stop them. Trump's in jail. And, and, and his supporters just did this thing. The Trump supporters will claim it's a false flag. The left will claim it's legitimate. doesn't matter if it is or isn't. I think something like that is on the horizon. That's why Darren Beatty is saying don't take the bait. Well, depends on what you think. I think people are insane. I think there are stupid people, and I think they, they will take the bait. Donald Trump recently said if he gets elected, he's considering pardons for everybody. January 6th. I mean, honestly, I think Trump should just pardon like almost everybody. Marijuana offense at the federal level, pardon them all. Seriously, Trump, if Trump came out and said, if I am elected in 2024 for twenty 2020, twenty 2025, I am going to pardon everybody. It's not actually a Trump impersonation. I'm actually doing an impersonation of Seamus doing a Trump impersonation. That's how I actually do it. But if Donald Trump came out and said that, I mean, I think he'd win tremendously. And I think he should. What they're saying now is this proves Trump has to be stopped because he's trying to pardon people who attempted to overthrow the country. Oh, yeah. A few hundred people standing in a building. That'll do it. How weak do you think this country is? Come on. But that is where I think we're headed. That's my prediction. MSNBC saying civil war is here. Joe Biden effectively giving a pre-war speech, so they say. These are declarations. And if you can't see the forest for the trees, I get it. But step back and think about where you are and don't be a frog in a boiling pot. I mean, look at what's going on. Aaron Danielson shot twice in the chest, killed. Donald Trump calling for an election do over 48 states involved in a lawsuit over unconstitutional election practices in 2020, and the Supreme Court rejected hearing it on the merits just saying no? I mean, these things are unprecedented. The FBI raiding a former president's home? Take a look around and see where you are, man. I'll tell you what I've been talking about. Property in other countries. I'm not joking. I don't care if people think I'm stupid or crazy or otherwise. You can think whatever you want about me. I went on Jack Dorsey's show. Uh, I, was, I went on Joe Rogan's show with Jack Dorsey. And at the end, I said, if they keep doing this, it's going to drive us toward civil war. And they did keep doing it. And they're still doing it. The New York Post. White House and big tech colluded to censor misinformation. Apparently every week they were having meetings about how to censor people. Insane. This is where things are going. So I said, if they keep doing it, and where did we end up from that point, 2019, look at all that's happened. And I had people saying, so where's the Civil War, Tim? And I went on January 6th, several hundred Trump supporters were fighting with cops and they went, oh, yeah, if you, the lefties, they laughed at the idea. Now they're saying January 6th. Oh, no. What did I say? You thought I was wrong? Well, I was right. They don't want to admit it. So I mentioned building a van, a bug out van. Now I'm thinking there are times throughout history when we've heard people would flee their countries when things got bad. And I mean bad in terms of like mass executions, Okay. For the time being, I don't I don't think that if I'm not actually, you know, I'm looking at property in other countries, I mean, I'm actually going to do it but I think it's something to start thinking about. Start thinking about where your family is in other countries to, to, to get away if you have to, but not flee before we've had a chance to stop this. Because I will make one thing abundantly clear. The reason he gave this speech is because he's scared and they're losing. So now is the time to win. In a couple months, we will vote in the midterms and the Republicans will get in and just enough of them will try to hold them to account. And if they can do a good enough job and Trump wins in 2024 or DeSantis, maybe we will actually put an end to this through a procedural process, an electoral process. And that is the ideal. But I will tell you, if Trump supporters get violent, they will lose in two seconds. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then.